Before you stands Agamar the Vile. He begins to speak. Thunderwave! Make a constitution saving throw. If he fails the save, he takes 2d8 thunder damage and is pushed 10 feet away from me. If he's successful, he takes half as much damage and isn't pushed. While he's distracted, I attack. Nat 20 with my mods. That's a 26. My Vorpal Sword does... He makes a save and absorbs the damage somehow. Bill, you miss. What? Bullshit. We should talk about five things the DMs do that players hate. This week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. I'm really calling bullshit. Nat 20. Warple sword. Nat 20. It du- falls off. Double weapon damage. There can only be one. <laughs> Uh dick move. I <laughs> <laughs> the the ultimate dick move. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about all sorts of dick moves um this week. But first a word from me. In celebration of one year of podcasting, we are holding a giveaway of epic proportions. Everything you need to get started running games. Four dice trays, 12 complete sets of dice, four crown royal bags, the D&D Essentials Kit, the D&D Starter Kit, Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, the Young Adventurers Collection, Nerdarchies, Out-of-the-Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, OSR Greats, The Rad Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the U.S. We realize we may have asked a lot of you initially, so here's the new and improved way to enter the epic giveaway. Simply go to thedungeonmastersdojo.com, our home on the web, and send us a message you will automatically be entered into the giveaway for a chance to win. After we receive 500 messages, we will draw one lucky winner. We'll see you next time in the dojo. Now, that's one epic giveaway. That sure is. And Unlike that bullshit call. And uh, I know I'm angry. You're always angry. Damn. You don't want to see him when he's angry. <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry. That's a secret power, Captain. <laughs> he's always angry. Um, that theme music is awesome, and I want that to travel with me like to work and stuff. So when I show up first thing in the morning, I feel like I want to make an entrance like a pro wrestler. I mean, they get theme music at work, right? 
There you go. Cue it up on your phone. Pyrotechnics. Cue it up on your phone. Bluetooth speaker hanging from your waist. Yeah. Walk into into the day with your hands, you know, on your hips. All oiled up, ready to go. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Here to do paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about these five well five things and, and and there's more than just five but this is like the tip of the uh dick dm uh iceberg but we'll get you started with five things dms do that players hate and um i've seen this well we've all probably seen a lot of this we've played at the tables yeah. Yeah. where this goes on maybe we've made the mistakes ourselves oh i know i have yeah a lot of it i know you both have to Yep, and and we know that players hate these things because Lou has told us. That's why we do it. Yes, the just Lou's Lou's good at Lou. such things. I yes. mean, he aggravates us in so many different ways. We could do something, <laughs> something to we get should, back at him. You know what? We should do an episode on five <laughs> things players do. Lewis, that DMs hate. <laughs> I, I, can only, I can only think of one. Thunderwave. <laughs> I I can think of. Uh, many uh, just out of your own playbook, as as a matter of fact. He doesn't have a playbook. He has flashcards. Yeah, his playbook <laughs> is way too organized. With with stick figure drawings he on it. He just de- deals the deck. Whoop, yeah, this one will work. I'll piss someone off with this. <laughs> and All that's right. my secret power. <laughs> it's not so secret. <laughs> All right, so shall we get going? Yeah, well, we might as well. We might as all well. right. Point right. number one: the all-powerful NPC or DM character that will piss some players off, and I'm not too sure why why DMs do that. Actually, I'm not too sure why veteran DMs do that because I've seen that. Yep. From some seasoned DMs, I've seen it from fledgling DMs. And the only way to do it before the Dungeon Master's Dojo was to sit down and give it a shot and make some mistakes. Thank goodness we're here to save the pain and torment. Thank goodness. Uh, a half a century later, here we are Ta-da. to improve your game. Better late than never. And this is why <laughs> I think I'm doing okay as a DM because I learned from your mistakes. Well, or your lessons, I'll say. Well, yeah. that's okay. Well, well, it's too you'll, late. you'll you'll make some. Oh, mistakes. I I already have. <laughs> I, what was it? Very first night. Hey, Lou, uh, can I talk to you? Oh, shit. <laughs> DM's like, he had to look like he was called to the principal's office. <laughs> he really did. He's like, oh, 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 geez. And this, his shoulders sunk. His head went down. <laughs> he wouldn't make eye contact. I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain. <laughs> the the all-powerful NPC, I think, pisses off players because players are supposed to be the heroes, right? The, yep. the characters are, are the heroes of the story. And when the all-powerful NPC comes on scene, there's it takes that heroism out of the hands of, of the players and the characters and, and puts it on the NPC, and nobody, nobody likes that. Oh, it's like handicapping the players. It, it it is, and I always saw Gandalf as kind of like the all powerful NPC because every all powerful NPC that I ever met was a dick, kind of like Gandalf was in the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. I like Gandalf as a character. He was kind of a dick. He was an intolerant old old fart. Wow, 
I was that just occurred to me. <laughs> I was way more. Both their heads snapped around and. St- <laughs> And I was even going to say, just like me. <laughs> so we, I guess there's a Gandalf in every group, huh? <laughs> but that's one of those things that'll kill player enjoyment a lot is the NPC that could pretty much do anything, bail them out of, out of trouble, handle every problem that, that comes. I, I see it as the, the NPC stealing the story. Yeah, absolutely. And it becomes a narrative as opposed to a, a collaboration. Yeah, and DM characters, well, that's a term that a lot of people use for a more fleshed-out NPC that the DM runs that adventures with with the party. And it's done, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, done poorly, it's, it's disastrous. Yes. But you can do it well. I, I most frequently run a DM character because I hope that someday someone's going to say, hey, Scott, why don't I run a campaign where you can like play? Let, let's take this moment and leer it at Lou. It never happens. <laughs> I, I said you can play on but, Wednesdays. And here we go again. With the Wednesday thing. Back off the to-do list. Okay, you don't have to play on Wednesdays for now. <laughs> Thanks, I think. <laughs> but the... The DM, the DM character can very easily become the all-powerful NPC and breed a lot of resentment amongst the uh, characters, and and then even worse amongst the players. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really have a big problem, right? Is when your players are are that degree of disillusioned. Now I'll I'll play NPCs and I'll play NPCs that seem to be more skilled than the players. I'll make a specialist out of my NPC that'll kind of hover there or show up when he needs to because he's been following me. It's usually a rogue or rogue-ish, but it's kind of like the ace in the hole because these guys have painted themselves in the corner and they have no way of getting out. It's kind of like when Bilbo shows up in the Elven Hall with the keys to the you know, jail cells. It's one of those type moments. And then you back them back out, reintroduce them or, or introduce them to, you know, for story plots. or But I build my player characters sometimes that way. I don't necessarily min-max the stats, but I will... I will put everything I can into particular skills. I love skills and make them very, very skillful in one area. And then when it, it's something else out of his wheelhouse pops up, it was like, well, I've been doing everything else. Why don't you guys do this? And it makes it seem like, well, you know, yeah, I can do it, but I'm not going to. It's about time you guys do something. And I'll throw that out. As a player character, I do that a lot. And they get the impression that Gee, this character can do absolutely anything but no one's paying attention. He's just doing the same thing over and over. There's a, there's a fine line you tread with your NPCs where you could very easily fall into that that detour of oh now it's an all powerful NPC and that's that's a that's a slippery slope where you you definitely are going to run into run into problems with your 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 players ultimately with your players there's going to be a lot of resentment there and back in the old days before we had the interwebs right it was a relatively small community True. Everybody knew everybody else through some way, shape, or form, right? We bumped right. into each other at the Pony Soldier, the Dragon's Lair, or just an invite on a table. Back then, you could very easily develop a reputation yeah. as as being kind of like a shit DM, you know, which right. you didn't Be- want. Because, you know, well, gee, you go there, but he's basically just narrating the story for you. 
Right, right. And every once in a while you get to do something, but it's about it. Yeah, he wrote a book and he's reading it to you. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? That, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. You didn't want to develop that reputation because it, word got around. Now I think it's a lot easier, easier to because we play on the interwebs and the whatnot, but there was a much smaller... There was a, a, quite a few gaming shops, but they weren't that far apart. They usually had their big big tape game nights on different nights. So you could actually go to two or three or four in the course of a week. Yeah. Every, you know, every Monday I go to this one, every Tuesday I go to this one, every Thursday I go to this one, every Friday I go to that one. Uh, Saturday I game at my house. And so you see the same people and over and they're doing the same thing. Then you go to the conventions and that back in the, you know, eighties and nineties, there was a lot of conventions in the area. You've seen a lot of the same people at the conventions and you'd game there or you'd GM there so you're still bumping into it, but that your reputation is going to follow you. When you get to the table, you'll bump into a person or two on the table or just left the table when you got there. And they're like, yeah, well, you, know, you want to keep an eye on this game master. Right? He, you know, yeah, it's the, the scenarios are pre-written for you, but don't be surprised if, you know, your NPC is uh, a little better than should be. Yeah. Now having, having a, a, a powerful NPC is fine, especially if it's like the big, bad, evil guy, right? You want your BBEG to be, one step ahead of your your party, you want them to harry him. You want them to be almost untouchable for the first several levels. But mm -hmm. when it comes time to have the party go mano y mano with them, so to speak, then it needs to be it needs to be tempered appropriately. Correct, or else they spent an entire year or whatever's worth of campaign only to get their asses handed to them by by someone that's a god level NPC, and that. That's, That's no, fun. no fun. That's no fun at yeah, all. Or, no. or always has a way to slip away. Yeah. Just when you think, oh, no, but before you did that, uh, he's going to use his reaction to, you know, there's there's always that little loophole, you know, hovering out there where he just slips through your fingers yet again. Um, and if that's part of the plot, okay, because initially, yeah, he's going to kick your ass and walk away from you laughing. And then he'll send minions as you get a little stronger to do his work and you are not even going to see him. And then you might just almost catch him and have a quick encounter and it's like, we got him this time, and he slips through. But that's part of the plot. But, you know, when it happens over and over and over again, sometimes some of those slipping aways are a little on the sketchy side. That's when you know that your your big bad's got uh, this little Teflon armor thing yeah, going. Yeah, it's disheartening. Yep. It very much so. so I, yeah, I think like Bill said, after probably, to me, four or five times that he got away, I'm like, something's wrong here. Yeah, and that's that's a nice segue into the next one, the big bad evil guys with that, like that. For lack of a better term, plot armor. No matter no matter what your players do, they're not going to get them. They could be the best plan in the world, and they're it, still still not going to not going to catch up with them. No matter what, he's going to be resistant to this, that, and the other spell or this magic item or whatever have you. Yeah. Oh, uh, his amulet starts grow, uh, glowing, and oh, geez, oh, yeah, yeah, here as, we go. As a player, I'm going to be like, why am I even here after six months and just Still happening six months to a year. Yeah. I'm like, why am I even here if I can't be the hero? Yeah. Right. Let them have that moment. You know, if they get the jump on your big bad evil guy and they come up with something clever as players do, let them have their moment. Because you can always reveal later on that that was not the big bad evil guy. Of course, you're going to have to come up with something yeah, new one, but more evil. Well, but. as a DM, that's a little bit of homework that you need. Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to do and. You should be prepared for that. Just in case. Yep. You know your players are always going to throw you a curveball. Yeah. Uh, number one. 
And number two, if they do eliminate your big bad, who's like you said, who's to say that he is actually the big bad? Maybe he's the the, the front person, the face person, and there's actually an organization behind that, or someone even bigger on another plane, or you know, or something like that. So yeah, you may have to. Uh, hopefully, you've already had this figured out in your your plot line, your scenario when you wrote it all up. But if you didn't, you know, like I said, do your homework and, and whip yeah. something up and go from there. One of the things I applaud Rob for is not doing this. That one time he DM'd that I played at his table and he put his big bad evil guy out there with his his army. And I wrote out with, I think it was Lou's character yep, and maybe Eric's character. It was either Eric or DJ. One of the DJ two. or... Or Paul. Or, or Paulie or Chet. I, I don't know, but we wrote out there... And he he began to monologue, <laughs> and you can you can tell that that Rob put a lot of a lot of time and effort and thought into the monologue. And this was many years ago. Normally, like now, I would let the bad guy mo- have his moment of monologuing because I've had <laughs> players not give me my monologuing moment. <laughs> Thunderwave, <laughs> and he he starts monologuing. And I said, I pull out my sword and I attack him. So Rob's like, roll for initiative. So I rolled for initiative and I won big time, which is rare. <laughs> well, no, initiative at that time, you needed a low number. Did you? Yep. yep. I don't remember. Went so one maybe. through 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Shit. So it was right they, in your wheelhouse. They fucked my game up when they switched it to 5e. <laughs> um, and I rolled, a, I rolled a 20, nat 20. And I happen to have a Vorpal sword, and rules. The rules specifically stated on on Nat twenty, the head comes off. Yep. So he did. Uh, I lopped his head off. I even showed him in the book. Uh huh. And poor Rob looked dejected. And I said, "There could be only one." <laughs> and he got up and he walked out and went and had a cigarette. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't do that dick thing where the bad guys got plot armor. Right, right, but at the, after that moment when we were out smoking, that's when Rob says, "Can we hex his dice?" Get and it. we did. Well, that is <laughs> Rob, you bastard! If you're listening, lift the hex. It's been thirty years for Christ's sake. <laughs> I've paid my dues. It'll, it'll get lifted when you, his big bad gets to finish his monologue. That's what he said too. <laughs> I'll have to call him. So you still got that monologue in a box somewhere? Yeah. Just paraphrase. It'll work. Yeah, when you have your big bads, or even even some of your monsters, it doesn't even have to be your big bad. Some of your higher up monsters that you've run into before. Oh, it's this guy again. You know, okay, well, well, or these type creatures. We'll beat them down, and all of a sudden, they have triple hit points and armor when they don't normally wear armor, and a magic item when they normally don't have magic items. It's like okay, I can see there being like one orc that is the general that the bigger one of everyone else. And I'm going to keep the one magic item instead of passing it on. I'm going to keep the good armor because, hey, I'm the boss. But when the entire group of 15 orcs are all outfitted like that, there's a problem. That's that's similar to, you know, the, the big bad having your plot armor and all of a sudden the monsters have the plot armor because the game master's pissed off because you keep wading through his, his minions. I think that will kind of lead into our, our next step of shoddy world building. And that would be it. That would be it. When you're not pairing up the monsters and the encounters with the level of your characters. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a lot of commitment when you're building your own homebrew world, and I wouldn't recommend it to a brand new DM at all. No, I would. I would recommend you pick a world, you read up on it, and you play in that world for a few years. Well, yes, if you're playing in the world, like because you guys created your own homebrew world, and we played in it quite often. Mm-hmm. So, for, like what I did is I brought my table into your world. I, I didn't create it, but I took what was from you guys. So to, for me to start my own world, it would have been shitty. <laughs> I, to point blank, because I don't, there's a lot to world building. Um, so yeah, like Scott says, use a module or something that or world's already pre-built. Or if you played in a world, I think we played in this world for 10 years. Uh, 12. Oh, 12. 12 years? Yeah. So I already had an understanding. So I'm not world building. The world was already built. And we gave you a, a an, an alpha version of or a beta version yeah. of the book. So, exactly. yeah. so, but that's the whole point. I already knew the world. So if you don't know the world or how to create a world, play in a world for a little while. Learn the nuances of the governance, the monsters, everything that needs to be taken to, into account. Um, you just can't create a world because if you do, there's going to be a lot of mistakes and a lot of upset players. Well, there's going to be holes, and you know the part you holes. the parts that you build may be absolutely fabulous. But there's going to be holes, and your character is going to see those, and they're going to walk right through them. Yep, and not only that, there's going to be a lot of mistakes made mm-hmm. because you're going to want to backtrack, and you really can't backtrack once something's already done. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to retcon. Yeah, it's it's not a Marvel the, superhero, and you exactly. can't you can't play you know retro man. So, yeah, I don't recommend retconning. So no rec- retconning uh, ruins immersion. It destroys the the kind of the nostalgia of remembering the. The, the games that had had already gone by. Right. Yeah, Distorts the flow. Yeah. You know, and the fortunate fortunate thing is when you are ready to world build, when you sit down, maybe you've played in Faerun or Eberron or, or Arthas or Athas for a couple of years and you've run games in it and you've read some books. And I've said this before, you can always go back to prior editions they have a ton more information on a ton more worlds than fifth edition has. The lore is still good and you can use those, those old, old books. But when you sit down after a couple of years of playing in, in commercial worlds and you decide I'm going to build my own campaign setting, give it another year and then listen to our episodes on world building. Yeah, use that year, listen to the episodes, and build slowly and build carefully. Don't try yeah. to just build it and go, all right, next week I'm going to have my own world. It's not happening in a week. It's, it's a big job for one person to do, and that's, that's why sometimes uh, you run the risk of having a shoddy uh, campaign setting. It's even a risk for sometimes just two GMs to, to try to do that. It takes a, pretty much a whole table to assist and help. Abs- well, absolutely. Uh, Bill and I worked on the campaign setting weekly for a long, long time, probably about 10 years. And then when we went on our getaway, that was more world building in the, in the campaign that we ran at our week long. Well, that was basically our, our play testing. Yeah. And the players at the table, we did, we did our part, but the players at the table filled in, all of the the fine points. Jared's character, Ulred. Well, Jared filled in a lot of the empty, a lot of the blanks for that 
that character's race. And Eric filled in a lot of the blanks for, actually, he built the race based on his gameplay. So there was a, there's a lot. The players, the players have to be invested in it. I mean, well, you know they're invested in when we ask, well, hey, where do you want to play? And they go, let's play your world. Yeah. You know, if we if say, well, we're going to go play Eberron. Why? <laughs> no, that, let's, let's, let's stay in your world. And if you have, if you're a new DM and you have a table of new players, then world building certainly isn't a good idea because your players have yet to really learn the game, right? So there, it's tough to fill on the nuances when they're having a difficult time with the broad strokes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So stay away from building your own world for I mean, a while. It, anyway. I mean, the prestige of saying I built my own world is 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 pretty nice. Being able to bring people into your vision is going to be absolutely awesome. But you want to make sure you do it right. And it takes time. And you need to be patient and, and go over little by little. We started, I think we literally started with the maps, with, yeah. with the continents. And we literally built the globe. And then from there, it's like, right, what do you have an idea for? I don't think we put pen, pencil to paper, aside from notes to keep our old brains on track, for months and months before we a actually year. started i think it was a year <clears throat> yeah that we decided we were going to start filling in some of those things and it was just it was notes in our we're fortunate with our players they're all experienced extremely creative creative to a fault at times <laughs> and that was a that was a big help because no matter how good you are at building a world you need your players to breathe life into it. Otherwise, you're, it's you're, just that. You're only one person. You're only yeah. one vision, one brain, and then you throw your table at it, and they start bouncing off of one another and start feeding off of one another and feeding off of you and your ideas, and that's where that, that enrichment comes from is the the multiple points of view that start focusing and in on one thing. And, hey, what if you did this instead? Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, well, what about you? You can do this instead. Oh, I didn't think of that could stack. And so they start helping one another as well as themselves. And meanwhile, you're sitting there jotting notes down as fast as you can. Well, look at it this way. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, you do, do you think it's only one or two people that are writing f the, the book on Fairy Room? No, it's yeah. a whole collective of people. Yeah, it's a team. And plus, then they put it out to be tested to find out what works and what doesn't, which is yeah. the same thing your DM is doing mm -hmm. when he presents something to you. It's going to be either it works or doesn't. He either adds or takes away. If you're not doing that, your world is going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it may not necessarily fail. It won't be but, fun. But it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be attractive to your players. So keep working on it. And when you think you have it done, read it again. You don't. Make some fine touches. Throw it at somebody else. And then from there, throw it at your table. Now you got your world in the process of being worked on. Uh, let's go on to the next point. Railroading. Choo-choo. I think they hate that as much, perhaps even more so than the all-powerful NPC. I think more so because the all-powerful NPC, at least you get to put some input in once in a while, but railroading is railroading. Yeah, you're, there's no leeway yeah. which way you can go. Yeah, there's, yep. yeah, I'm going down the road. Okay, there's a, there's a fork in the road. This one leads into the mountains. This one heads down to the town. All right, let's go up in the mountains. You have no provisions. Uh, you're all hurt. You haven't slept in a bed in a while. Yeah, let's go up in the mountains. But the, the, the town's right there. Uh, yeah, but the, we don't want to go to town. We're going to go to the mountains. Okay, you come around the corner, there's a landslide. Yeah. That's the, the path is gone. 
there's a scree field. You can't possibly get across it. It's more than difficult terrain. You're, you're going to get hurt. I'd be like, you dick. You did that on purpose. Yep. Railroading is, is a good tool to some extent. It's an art if you're going to use it because you have to give leeway. Right, right. It can't be the foundation of your campaign. It could take place once in a while for a very small amount of time, a blip, if you will, on the screen. But your players will figure out real quick <laughs> that they're being railroaded. Yep. And and they'll make mention of it. And if if your players are anything like ours, it's not like Hey, can I pull you aside and talk about this? Someone's, oh, no. someone's no. yelling bullshit at the table. <laughs> bullshit. And another guy is making a snide remark. So you will, you will know when, when they're, they're onto your railroading and they're unappreciative of it. Yeah, your railroading should be more nudge. I think it's yeah, a, exactly. strong, a strong suggestion, but nothing more than that. I think players hate it because... They're not giving any latitude to do anything. Right. There's it's no your, player agency. It's very linear. And nobody, li- unless you're playing a video game, nobody likes to play a linear game. And now you know why I don't use publication, published uh, modules. It's it's a pitfall, I think, of a brand new DM. And it's also uh, a bad habit Yes, of a veteran DM. It's like meeting an adult that still picks their nose. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a bad habit. Someone yeah, hasn't slapped nose, their hand, huh? You just picked your nose. It was a bat in the cave. <sighs> Got to clean the ballroom once in a while. Why right, nobody visits? <laughs> <laughs> so you want to stay away from those bad habits, and and I think we know we're self aware enough, most of us, to know that. Well, I'm 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 railroading, and it's a bad habit I've picked up. But sometimes when you kind of work around developing a skill, that's what you're left with. Yep. It, it's always improv is key. And sometimes I think DMs will railroad because their improv skills aren't great. Or they don't know how to improv. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is what your new game masters. A lot of them are writing these things out in chronological order. And it has to happen in yeah, that order. That's it. And they don't realize that their encounters should be, uh, almost all of them, transplantable. Yeah. You need to be able to shuffle them around. You know, okay, if the magic item is in the the Dale Town and they're going to Arborus, put the magic item in Arborus. Switch the towns. If everything's got to happen in town, just switch the names. Yeah. That's it. All you got to do, switch the names of the town. That's a perfect point. Boom, done. Uh, now they're they're hitting the NPCs that you need to hit. They're They're going to the place you need to hit, but just switch the names. Keep it fluid. And that way, but you need to make your, your monsters, you need to make your magic items, you need to make your encounters, your towns, your cities, all transplantable, where you can just pick them up like Lego blocks. Nope, we got to change the yellow block for the red block. Yeah, move them. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But There's nothing wrong with it, but if you're writing your scenario out, and it's like, okay, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, oh, crap, they've gone from 3 to 6. Crap, 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 crap. And that's where they, I think the game masters, especially your newer ones, feel like they're going to be railroaded. Or your one of your veteran players, like you said, it has just simply has a bad habit. Um, no, I wrote this beautiful piece that, you know, is going to follow this this excellent story flow, and they have to go here first because there's all these things that, that's there, and I, I can't move it. Why can't you? Yeah. 
you're not a novelist. Yes. You're a dungeon master. There's yep. big, big difference. Yep. Um, everybody likes to think of their campaigns as, as, as cinematic. You know, you want big blockbuster Avengers scenes. And sometimes, sometimes one of your nights is just getting... Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, or <laughs> torn to bits by a rabbit. Yeah. You know, you want the Fellowship of the Ring, and you've got Monty Python's Holy Grail. You know, it's just work with it. That's why I think every every GM ever should run Keep on the Borderlands as yeah. their first as their first campaign or adventure or whatever have you. Module. Module. <laughs> yes. Keep on the Borderlands was the first retail module that you got with a basic set i don't think it was mold cook i think it was the one that came after mold cook had uh was it the one that dave ran for us that was a really good the tower of xenopus or something yes, like that yes, i think tower that was xenopus, the yep um but keep on the borderlands which became in search of the unknown later on when they put all the b modules together was great because everything was numbered it was all over the map and where your players went they went yep and it and it's good what I think that did was that that taught me very early on to think on the fly because you always think they're going to go right, but they go left. They go left. That's just the way it is. Or our party that just gets out the, the swords and just hacks their way through the middle. Yep. Yeah, here is what I think the party needs to do to survive this situation. Instead, what they do is they end up going through the sewers, which are extremely dangerous, <laughs> hacking their way through surviving how they've done it. I don't know, but they're on the brink of death. They come up on the other side of the sewer and then there's mobs of bad guys. And then someone makes an exploding football, (laughs) which, which was not, which was not the solution that I had in my mind for this because who makes an exploding football? Lou. Lou. (laughs) And hands it to the big meathead of the party and says, Throw it and creativity, right? Mm-hmm. That's well, a, a, a huge dose of creativity is going to be diametrically opposed to your railroading. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, you are not going to be able to railroad a, a really imaginative group. It doesn't even have to be a well seasoned group, just a really imaginative group that has a, a pretty good, you know, understanding of the rules. And is right is behind their character, right? And you know that when our table is faced with the rock slide, your railroading rock slide, someone's <sighs> turning into a mouse so they could go into someone's pocket, who's going to cast spider climb and climb up the the ravine walls to go over. Yeah. Mean, the, meanwhile, dragging you know the the three little short people that are all floating on one tenter's disc. Yep, <laughs> and uh, you know, just tag right along. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay, we cleared that. That was no problem. So don't try to railroad a an experienced group of adventurers because they'll pick up on the fact that you're fucking with them and, and they'll fuck with you like... And, oh, and now we're it, definitely going yeah, this way. Oh, so uh, challenge yeah. accepted, <laughs> Mr. Dungeon Master. The gauntlet has been thrown down <laughs> and I go. shall accept. Scott has heard that. Word many a night. <laughs> it is a it is a battle of wits. I see. <laughs> but uh, as as an experienced DM, 
I love that stuff. You, you know what? Build an exploding football. Yep. What could possibly go wrong? Well, we'll f- we'll find out. Well, okay, you get an exploding football. It's probably going to work. You gave it to the meathead to throw it. Roll a d20. Because <laughs> a one or a two could be bad. Uh, and you may want uh, to rethink that whole idea about making exploding footballs in the future if you survive. It seems the only time that my dice rolls are good is when Lewis does something outlandish. <laughs> and it's in his favor. I I think I... I think I rolled, because he gave it to the NPC, I think I rolled a 20. Yep. And it was like, yeah, drilled it right into the crowd. <laughs> but it's got to have something to do with the hex. And Scott with the assist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> you know what sucks? Do tell. A DM who is not prepared. Now. There was a year, the year that shall not be named. Yes. Where where there was, I would say, five minutes of preparation. And the entire campaign, which was supposed to run close to 50 hours of gameplay in a week, was sitting comfortably on a piece of paper pulled out of a wire, uh, one of those spiral notebooks. Oh, yep. I didn't even get that much. And I, like I don't even think notes. it was written in pen. It was written, yeah. And index cards. You got some index cards. Uh, not enough to study for a test nope. with. There was like uh, three or four. Instead of Cliff Notes, it was Cliff Scraps? Yeah, it was, It was. Um, I don't even know if all of them had stuff written on them. No, they didn't. <laughs> so that, and well, if. Let's give it a little context here first, because people are like, what let, the hell's going on? Yeah. In our first, I think, seven years, um, Bill and Scott ran for like the first three, and then we started alternating DMs. Yes. Um, you know, it was Eric, I know, was one year, then I was behind him. Did a then, phenomenal job. And Eric then somebody did. else was behind me. So, yes. Lou, you did a good job, too. Thank you. Um, but the person behind me was the one who didn't prepare anything, and he was, since uh, Eric and I were kind of his assistant to run the second table because we ran two tables, we had to, I don't know, we kind of were freaking out a little bit. like, hey, there's nothing to, well, this is what you want guys got to do. What do you mean this is what I got to do? So there is no context with all that context. You barely got bullet points. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted people to understand that we were rotating GMs, and I know when Eric planned his year, he did almost a whole year's worth of work. I did about six to nine months worth of work because I gave you, because you were my assistant at the time. Yep. And I gave you a binder full, and I had a binder upstairs. Um, but we didn't even get that. I hope you appreciate everything Eric gave you because I had Eric the year before. <laughs> and he gave me one piece of paper with eight bullet points for and a weeks of gaming. But you could work off of bullet points. I can. Eric and I can't. I, 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 I made it. I made it. That's, 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 that's when the second year I told him, if you give anything remotely close to that, I not only will kick you off the table, I will literally kick your ass. Right. But going back to the lack of uh, prep, um, it really destroyed not only, I think, our game. It destroyed, because we were assisting, it destroyed me and Eric a little bit mentally because we were like, what the hell do we do? We actually came and, and had to talk to you two to say, yeah. the game is not happening or it's happening, but not in a fun way. It was out for retribution. Right. It was yep. this one turned into a GM versus the players. 
because specific he was, players yeah, because he was not prepared. He just had a thought in his mind saying, "This is what I want to do," but there was no outline, there was no planning, there was no NPCs, there was nothing except just try to take, take, take. Yep. And we don't talk. I think we talked about the adversarial GM. Yep. Um, before, and. One of the things, if you're not if you're not prepared as a GM, or you're not willing to be prepared, and and shit happens, right? I mean, I, most of us have jobs, schools, uh, other responsibilities to to some extent, with which can interfere with our ability to engage in the hobby, prepare, whatever have you. Correct, uh, and that's understandable. And if you have like a really busy schedule. It's probably not a good idea that you offer to run a game. You know, be be honest with the people at the table. Man, I'd like to, but right now I'm not in a place where I I can, and that would be unfair to you as the current DM and the rest of you as players. I still think that's a poor excuse because as a a DM myself, I would okay, I don't have anything prepared. Let me go get this module and work with that module. Yes. So th- there is there is those there is that those out. So yes, guys, it, it's a little different, but at least we're still playing the game. And with our yeah. group, you had people, Scott and myself, especially, were out there saying, if any time you were stuck or something, like, you need to get together one night to help flesh things out. Let us know, and we'll we'll assist to right. make sure you're ready. Because and this here's the difference: both Scott and Bill can both work off just bullet points. I could not. I actually need something substantial, you know, you know, a, a book or, or something so I can go through and know what I got to deal with. Cause yes, while I do DM, I haven't DM as long or as, as extensive as both of you guys. So there's that difference. So we're, you're right for the new DM. If you're going to try something, make sure you at least have a module, at least read the first three or four pages to get you started. Because as your players are going, you can slowly stay ahead of them until you have time to read yep. as the bare minimum. Yes. Yep. As the bare yeah. minimum. And that's and that's a great option. Um, I used to I used to shit on the retail modules for me, no sir. I'm creative, but uh, and I always thought it was a lazy uh, a lazy DM's way out. But in a situation where, especially now, the older I get and and the more responsibilities I have, because the weird thing about getting older is people assume you're going to be responsible and mature. I'm just I don't like that, and you wonder why I always look upset. Yeah, I, I still want to be 14 <laughs> and you know, with all no, not a care in the world. But if, if you're, if, if you don't have that time, like Lou said, exactly. Pick up a, uh, pick up a retail module. It's a lot different than back in the old days when it was like, shit, I got to run down to the dragon's lair. I got to see if they have this now. Amazon, right? It's there the next day. Unless you you're Bill, to, you could go to D who doesn't have Amazon prime. <laughs> the only person on the planet. But you go to DMs <laughs> Guild, and they have some free ones. Even yeah, I, I mean, it's right at your fingertips. Yeah. And there's some good free stuff out there yep. from some pretty talented uh, are, yeah. writers in in the community. So you know, give them some props if it's free. Throw them a couple bucks too. And that's Why all not? they ask. Some of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's if you're not going to be able to to prep, don't run a game because everybody's time is valuable. Right, we get together on Monday night, and to to get a dozen people all to show up at the same time on the same night, 
is logistic is a, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's a miraculous feat. So yeah. these these guys these guys are coming from work. You know, Andrew Andrew still had his scrubs on. Yeah, you know, with his trademark uh, bucket of coffee and and a, a foot long subway under one arm, usually two. Yeah, and so he's coming right from work in most cases, and other guys are are coming from work or we got school some coming, or whatever. We got some coming from over the state line. Yeah. A couple of them. Then we got others coming from half a dozen towns away and driving 45 minutes to get here. Yeah. Time, time is precious when you, when you get older, especially when you're our age, man. Cause we don't know. It's like, <laughs> shit, I may not wake up tomorrow. I'm at that age now where it's like, I could wake up dead. Why so, is he looking at me when he says that? You see, he just I, swiveled right around at me. I was kind of looking there too. So, yeah, jeez, oh, we guys. just wanted to make sure. Hey, I am. Like, hi, I'm a little. I'm, chest rise. I'm scored a little high in the ghoul pool, but I'm not on the top. <laughs> oh shit! He's still breathing. He still looks disgusted. Bill's alive. <laughs> as long as long as Scott doesn't say you're going to be in the hospital next, you're fine. Oh yeah, the curse. Yes. He's 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 attempting to siphon the bad mojo from my, his dice and my, pass it on to somebody else. My family has the gift, and sometimes if I speak. Um, out loud, you get fucked up. It's, it's bad. Um, I know. I've been there. I was in the hospital. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. <laughs> what be are you nice. doing here? Oh, I'm just having a heart attack. <laughs> be nicer to me. <laughs> Preparation is 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 key because people's time is valuable, and it's not just you not being prepared. People are showing up expecting to play a game. It's a big role you have as a as a, as a DM. You're not the only one investing the time. Yeah, absolutely. You're not the only one investing the time. You may have to invest a little bit extra that everybody mm-hmm. else is, but that's part of that's part of what you sign up for unless you're stuck being the forever DM. I'm not saying it. You could join us on Wednesdays, but I'm not saying it. <laughs> I can't I can't win with him. Why do you try? I you know what? Even when you're drowning, you're still kicking, trying <laughs> to keep your head above water. You're treading Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Don't offer to do it if you don't have the time to prepare. And if you don't have the time to prepare and you do offer to do it, then you really need to you need to come up with something. You need you, to, to stay with that commitment. Yeah. Well, it's a responsibility. Yes. You've taken on a responsibility just like everything else you do in your life. People are counting on you. People expect you to produce, and you need to. And if you can't, then don't take on the responsibility. It really boils down to that. Again, it's one thing if there's, you know, a family emergency or you're tied up at oh, work life or happens. something like that. Life yeah. happens, and people but understand. And there's been a few times where I've, hey, guys, uh, something came up. I, I notified everyone as quickly as I could. There's no game this Monday, you know, because of this. And it's happened, um, but it's not like it's a, a steady thing. And then someone will call and say, hey, I can't make it. Something came No problem. No, no, we'll, we'll park your character in the yellow zone where it's safe, and you're all good. Yeah, and you can always, you can always just – commit and go, listen, I understand that you've been the DM for an eternity. I'll give you a break. I'll, I'll run for a month, you know, four, four, four games. I'll run it. Give you a break. That's a small commitment as opposed to lose over there. Shaking his head. You know, Wednesdays. Bloop. Let, yeah. Yeah. Let, He's fishing for game masters. Let, <laughs> let me carry my cross through the streets, Lewis. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you don't have to. You don't have to commit to a long campaign of a year. You can commit to four sessions, or I'll commit to this scenario, 
And when it's over, it's over. So it's a smaller commitment if you happen to have a a life that seems like it's ramping up to be a little busier than normal. Um, and you know, things like, like Bill said, life, life happens, but be prepared. Have your ducks in a row. So we went over a whole bunch of points about how your game master could really kind of screw things over and, and build a little bit of animosity amongst your players. Remember it is a responsibility, but they are taking their time and investing in you to put this game together, show them some consideration. And when they show up to the table, game masters show your players consideration and try not to manhandle your players. And that's five things DMs do that players hate. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.